Oh, thank you all for tuning in to the 567th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, Eros, Daryl, D. Lean. As always, hope you are. However, you'll be listening to you for making me and this your part of your day with via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Air Radio, SoundCloud, Pandora, whichever podcast, network platform you'll be listening to me via. <clears throat> Gonna have a great show for all you guys today. Gonna have Kenny Simon, scouting expert for 247 Sports, to recap and break down everything that went down for week 13 of NFL action. Now, before we get to Kenny, I'm going to give my shameless plug as always. First time listener, thank you. Put subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Red Threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below, specifically via Spotify. Timestamp, click on the timestamp, and we'll send you to whatever part of the podcast you'd most like to listen to. Folks, it is for your convenience. Follow me on Twitter, at Nitrant underscore Lane, and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane, you will find it. I post two to five minute clips of this podcast right here, as well as my single show outside the shop. And lastly, <clears throat> give Apple our iTunes, give me five stars, a great review, and for some odd reason, right? If you like the pod, then for now, we're not, folks, but just don't say anything. Because no tomorrow told you, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Look up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Kenny Simmel on the show. Look up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. With Bobby Show Sports Talk, and we have the man, the myth, the legend, Kenny Sims, got an expert for Transformation Sports. How you doing? How you feeling? How you living, my guy? Daryl, I'm doing very good. We're done with week 13 of the NFL season. Teams are really beginning to get into playoff gear. This is now the sprint to the finish. The NFL season is a marathon until it's not. And now it's the sprint to the finish. And for the teams at the bottom, uh, with the college football season over, I'm beginning to do some slow uh, research onto some of these prospects coming up. So it's that time of year in the NFL, too, to begin to have a draft board and begin working on that because that's coming uh, sooner rather than later. So let's start with this. The Bengals beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 34-31. to Kenny, how big of a loss was this for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Well, Frank picks them out of the one seed that they would have won. They would have been the one seed. Um, so, now, with Trevor Lawrence, with an ankle sprain, a high ankle sprain, you know, he's probably looking at missing a game or two. And the Jags have a one-game lead over Houston. So, now that division is still up in the air for a little bit. Houston can't get any farther than one game back, uh, but they could possibly tie um, Jacksonville this week. That puts Jacksonville then potentially in a wild card game. But right now the big thing with Jacksonville is getting their quarterback healthy um, and going from there. For the Bengals, uh, how big of a win was this for them in terms of keeping their playoff hopes alive? 
Well, now at six and six, they're going to need to, you know, they're going to need to go four and one the rest of the way. So coming into this game, they need to go five and one. So they have bleak playoff hopes under 10%. Um, but Jake Browning did some good things. He is a, he doesn't have a big arm, but he has been in the system for a while. He's been on the Bengals practice squad for years now. And he's a he's an anticipatory thrower. He has a good grasp on the system. And he was able to target effectively Jamar Chase a lot. And with this offense, when you got those three receivers healthy, Higgins, Chase, Boyd, they should be able to put up some points still. So they should still be able to put up around 20 points a game and be in some, some, some of these games. So they got... They got the Colts at home, Vikings at home, and then they play at the Steelers, at the Chiefs, home against the Browns. So, still though, they're they're going to need to win four of those five games, but it just extends the season another week for them. Next, we're going to go to the Green Bay Packers uh, beating the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I just want to know how shocked. Or are you that, you know, the Chiefs have dropped game this year, one was to the Broncos. That was a particularly flattering game for the Chiefs. And then you look at one that's almost as unflattering as that, and you lose to the Packers. And I know the Packers have gotten a little bit of a hot streak as of late, right? They beat the Lions on Thanksgiving Day on Thursday, a few Thursdays ago. But, you know, for where the Chiefs want to go, these aren't games they need to be dropping. And let's also remember this, Kenny. The Chiefs have always had home field in the AFC Championship game. That is becoming more and more in jeopardy. Yes, it's going to be a new thing for the equipment staff. At the end of the year, the, the equipment staff needs to get those white jerseys out going on the road because I don't see them getting the one seed. They're, they're a game out of the one seed. Um, you know, I don't know how the tiebreakers work, but they are also been a little inconsistent the last couple of games as well. So... Patrick Mahomes, for the first time in, in his career, could be playing a road playoff game. And, you know, this was a game where Rasheed Rice, not a lot of plays downfield, but he still caught eight of his nine targets. He's emerging as that top receiver option. Now, you know, that is not as good as their, their other competitors, you know, Dolphins, Ravens. Jags, Kelsey, Kelsey's still solid, but, um, you know, I don't know at his age if you're going to get those those 14 catches for 180-yard three touchdown games anymore. So they're doing it with a subpar receiver group, and they're probably going to need someone else to step up as well other than Rasheed Rice, but... But those plays down the field that they have been known for, those explosive plays, Kelsey was the only one that had one. They had one explosive play. So it's more ball control. It's more defense. And they do have the best defense under um, – the Chiefs have the best defense this year that Patrick Mahomes has had. So they're going to need to win a different way. But this is not, uh, you know, a Chiefs team in years past where – they're, they are feared. Now, they could still get to the AFC Championship, but I don't see them coming in like 
you know, a few years ago, they were a 10 point favorite against the Browns. They, they, they were a 10 point favorite last year in the divisional game against the Jaguars. I don't see that, though. How big of a game is this week coming up against the Bills for them? I mean, really, for both teams. I mean, this is. Yeah, this is going to. So, so, for the Chiefs, um, you know, the division is still looking very good, but they got to keep pace with Miami and Baltimore. And I don't think they play any of those teams. So, it's going to come down to conference record. Now, conference record. Chiefs have the advantage right now, um, but they gotta. But they're a game back, so they gotta make up a game, and then they gotta win those AFC games. So this game against the Bills is huge because it gives them the opportunity to have home field. A loss to get down to eight and five. Now, all of a sudden, the Chiefs are looking at you know a three or a four seed in the tournament. So this could be a big role into. What the Chiefs are, uh, what what the Chiefs are doing on divisional weekend? Are they going to be at home? Or are they going to be on the road? In terms of the Packers, uh, how dangerous of a playoff team could they be? Now the Packers have come on the last two weeks. Remember, you said a few weeks ago the Packers are a playoff team, and. I said, let's wait until these next two games. Lions, Chiefs. They win both those games. They're 6-6, six and six, and they don't play a single team over 500 the rest of the year. So they're set up nicely. And Jordan Love has been really improving over the second half of the year. Likely, likely, the Packers could move forward with him next year if he's under contract for one more year. Um, A.J. Dillon gives him a little bit of a hammer at running back. And then they have a lot of receivers with these different skill sets. You know, they got, you know, I look at guys like Dubs and Watson, second-round picks. Dontavious Wicks was an athletic kid, a day-three kid out of uh, out of Virginia. Jaden Reed was a second-round pick. Musgrave is on IR, but he's coming back. He was a second-round pick. So they got a lot of young players that are uh, high pedigree type prospects coming into the NFL and you know they can make some plays they can make plays downfield Watson got a little bit of a hamstring so we'll see what happens there but second half of last year remember with Aaron Rodgers he took off he's taken off again in the second half of the year and he provides a big target for Jordan Love um, but, but the way they're playing right now they're getting back to running the football they're running it effectively, um, different than how they did it last year. But it's 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 the play, it's the chemistry um, of Jordan Love and Matt Lafleur that they're that Jordan Love is liking and trusting what Matt Lafleur is calling. And Matt Lafleur, you know, obviously over these last couple of weeks, he's got into a play calling rhythm on doing uh, doing concepts that Jordan Love excels at, and you should continue this. Like I said, they don't play a single team right now with the records. They don't play a single team the rest of the year over 500. Next, we're going to go to the San Francisco 49ers, the demolition job, and I was watching that game really closely this weekend. 
they blow out the Philadelphia Eagles, who many thought was the best team in not only the NFC, but uh, the NFL as a whole. How shocked were you that the 49ers beat the Eagles 42-19? to I was surprised by the 23-point margin, but I expected the 49ers to win this game. When the 49ers are fully healthy, they are the best team in the NFL. And there are some quiet chinks in the armor that Philadelphia has been getting away with the last couple of um, the last couple of weeks, but this part of the season, that they got exposed on. That their linebackers, their linebackers were put in a blender. Kyle Shanahan calling plays off to the edge, running Christian McCaffrey on routes, fooling them with misdirection. The middle of the field was wide open. Also, you could throw on the Eagles' defense as well. And Brock Purdy took advantage of that. He had four touchdowns on 19 completions, almost one out of every four passes for a touchdown, three, 314 yards. And then on offense, Jalen Hurst is a little banged up right now. And, you know, he's, he's fighting through a, a knee injury, but he is not um, he is not 100%. But this was a game where early on, you know, the Eagles didn't take advantage of the red zone. They had the first two possessions. They had 24 total plays, so three for San Francisco. And... They're up 6 nothing only. And that was a golden opportunity to really get out to a big lead. Um, but you look and say, well, well the, first three, the first three possessions of the game, Eagles dominated. It's only 6 nothing, And then San Francisco got going. And San Francisco scored a touchdown on their last six possessions to close the game. Is there any anyone? Actually, I want to say this when you also mentioned the linebackers, right? T.J. Edwards, who is, in my opinion, one of the best linebackers in the NFL last year. He goes to Chicago. Nicobe Dean, who is a guy who I really like coming out of Georgia, uh, he's on injured reserve, so they don't have him. So you know they're pretty thin from where they were last year at that position. But in terms of the Eagles, in terms of Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts, right? If they are, because this is probably going to be the NFC Championship game, Kenny, and right now could potentially still happen back in Philadelphia. Do you see this game going the exact same way if we're talking about this is a do or die postseason game to get to the Super Bowl? I do not see this being the same outcome of a blowout. I think the game would be a lot closer. It is very hard when there's two teams evenly matched, and these teams are. You know, from from a roster standpoint, from a personnel standpoint, these two teams are very even. They 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 uh these these two teams are probably the best two rosters in the NFL. So fully healthy, this is this is a one score game, and you know I I, I it, it, as long as the 49ers are healthy, I like them to beat anyone at any place, but. It's hard to beat a team twice in the same season. And if this game is in Philadelphia, it would be a much closer game and you would get the best effort from Philadelphia. But, um, no, it, it would still be a coin flip game. Um, but I don't see this being a 23 point blowout again. Brock Purdy is odds on favorite now to be the MVP. What are your thoughts on that? You know, it's, it's, it's between him, um, 
I think this week's game between the Eagles and the Cowboys is going to put Jalen Hurst or Dak Prescott, one of those two, into the lead. And then you got Tua out there as well. So uh, Brock Purdy is very good in the system. He is he is operating at a high level since he's had that concussion and came back out of the bye week. Um, but I would think the voters still look at his supreme weapons around him that might hurt him to win the MVP. Uh, I still like that winner of that Dallas-Philadelphia game. And then watch out for Tua as well because he is number one in all the categories that and that the past five MVPs have won. Uh, quarterback rating, touchdowns, yards per attempt, all that stuff. Um, Tua's numbers are right up there with the last five MVPs. Do you think the Eagles need home field to beat the 49ers? Yeah, I'm going to say yes because, um, again, if they do play, don't know who's going to be healthy or not, but but if, if, if the the 49ers come in healthy, and you should assume that, you know, not predicting injuries in the future, but if both teams are healthy, the 49ers are the better team. And in good weather so, in San Francisco as well. I mean, yeah. So they would <laughs> it it would benefit the Eagles to have home field. Also, with the Eagles' defense, is that is they've shown some chinks in the armor at linebacker and, and, and secondary play. Um, so that defensive line is going to need to get going. So you get loud. You can go on that silent count. That D line gets a little bit of a head start. Those small details matter, but that defensive line is going to need to fire off the ball. They did not do that um, on Sunday. They only had four quarterback hits, and they did not pressure Purdy at the rate they were able to. Who has a bigger game coming up this week? The Eagles versus the Cowboys or the Chiefs versus the Bills? I'm going to say Eagles-Cowboys because if the Cowboys win that game and the Cowboys are what, they're 13-0, 14-0 at home. Um, if they win that game, all of a sudden, that NFC East is up for grabs again. And it could swing in Dallas's favor with conference record. And that's going to be a huge part just, just, just to get healthy, the difference between the one seed and the five seed. Because the second-place team in the NFC East is going to be the five seed versus having a chance to get the one seed. That is a huge advantage, especially in January, to get that extra week to rest up. Um, this, this Sunday night game this week between the Eagles and the Cowboys, it is going to go a long way to determining who ultimately gets the number one seed. Um, and then who is a wild card in that five seed. Yes, and if you get the five seed, that could put you in a position where you're having to go on the road to San Francisco in the divisional round. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sorry, it, it, unless there's a big upset, you're going on the road twice. Because you got to go on the road against the NFC South team and then the following week, presumably against one seed, two, or the three seed. So that's going to make the uh, road to the Super Bowl Way more difficult. Next, let's go to the Houston Texans. Uh, they beat 
the Denver Broncos of uh, 22 to 17. Kenny, how have you been liking the Texans this year so far? I've liked them a lot. I mean, they've, they've been one of the one of the most surprising teams in the NFL from having that rookie coach and quarterback for their rookie coach and quarterback being a huge asset into what they're doing. Will Anderson, they traded up to get Will Anderson. They gave up a first-round pick next year. He has been as, as advertised off the edge. And, you know, it, it's, it's a young team that has a very bright future um, in the NFL. How big of an issue is uh, Tony Dell, or Tank Dell, mm-hmm. excuse me, uh, from Houston, formerly the Houston Cougars. I really like them coming out of the draft. Really big speedster. speedster. Uh, him being out, how much is that going to affect the Texans passing offense, if at all? Because he was becoming a, a favorite target of C.J. Shroud. Yeah, I mean, in fantasy football the last four weeks, he's been wide receiver five. He's been that good. Um, he was the favorite target of C.J. Stroud. So they still have Nico Collins. And from there, they're going to need another receiver to step up, whether it be Robert Woods, John Nietzsche, um, the tight end, Jordan, Noah Brown. So, you know, they got some guys uh, in a vacuum. They're not all that impressive, but C.J. Stroud's been able to elevate the entire team this year. So he's going to need to get one of those other guys to step up into that role. There's a lot of targets that place. He went to Tank Dell a lot. So that's double-digit targets now up for grabs. Um, So it's going to have to be one of those guys. So it is a big loss because that was their number one receiver and a favorite target. They hit it off in rookie minicamp. Who do you think is going to be the next target for CJ Stroud? Who can be emerge as the number one guy for him? The number one guy would be Nico Collins. I mean, Nico Collins, big body guy. Uh, he's he's been at the top of their target list. Nico Collins or, or uh, Tank Dell did leave that game against Denver fairly early, so they played the majority of the game without him. Uh, Nico Collins was targeted almost on half the throws. CJ Stroud threw. He had nine catches for 191 yards and a touchdown. So I would say that would become the number one option, his go-to guy that he goes to. So Russell Wilson had three interceptions in this game. Any concerns that Russ could be start regressing again? Yeah, he's got, what, but what they've done in their win streak is they've, they've done a couple of things. One thing is it has not been a lot of Russell Wilson. It's been Sean Payton getting a better sense of his personnel and what Russell Wilson can and can't do, and he's had him on a tight leash, not pushing the ball down the field too much. Quarterback's own read strategically, uh, and it's been more of them utilizing their run game. So this is exactly why they're doing it, to prevent those big interceptions. And, man, he had a bad one. They had a chance to take the lead at the end of the game, down five only. They had the ball in a goal-to-goal situation, back-breaking interception by Russell Wilson. And then over – the last five games or so, I want to say, uh, they were plus 15 in the turnover margin. And, you know, that is the number one indicator of wins and losses, but that's hard to duplicate week in and week out. Um, the week they did not have it was Sunday. They were minus three in the turnover margin. So, 
it, it is good to be Sean Payton going back to the drawing board and really co- coaxing those interceptions out of him, getting back to running the football and having safe passes because, um, you know, having Russell Wilson wide open with everything um, at this stage of his career, he's, he's, he's not capable of carrying a team like that. He needs to be drawn back in a little bit. Uh, now let's go to this really quickly. Uh, who are you more scared in a playoff situation? One game elimination. Texans or Broncos? Uh, Texans. Texans, especially if they get home field in that wild card game, if they do happen to win the division. But uh, I have to see CJ Shroud. I mean, he's he's still uh, fifth best odds to win the MVP, definitely rookie of the year. But I mean, he's he's playing like a top five to ten quarterback and even with Tank Dell out they found a running game with two running backs Pierce and Singletary uh, that that defense continues to make plays it's not just Will Anderson it's that defense that D'Amico Ryans has brought from San Francisco you know Stingley Petrie got some veterans there as well um, that team is going to compete until the end and the Broncos have been a little bit of smoke and mirrors because they've been so good at the turnover margin. If that turnover margin is not there, and they don't have three more possessions with easy field position, short short fields, they don't go on a five-game win streak. Next, uh, this is a game, Kenny, that you're, I know you're going to have a lot to say. How gutless were the Cleveland Browns against the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday? Not as gutless as the final score indicated. The Cleveland Browns were hanging in there. Um, it got away from them at the end. They they had the ball down eight with two and a half minutes to go. They choose to go for it, fourth down on their own 25. Um, instead of punting and playing defense for three timeouts, they did not get it. Um, and then Rams scored. They got a safety at the end. Um and so that game was winnable in the fourth quarter. They actually got the game to 20 to 19. It was a missed extra point that prevented the tie. Uh, but, you know, on defense, the Cleveland Browns, I think some of their mistakes they've been making on defense have been attributed to having a very injured Miles Garrett and no Denzel Ward. And getting those guys back healthy is going to help them out. This was their worst game. They gave up 36 points until Matt Stafford took a knee. They, they had over 400 yards of offense, and they were getting gashed in the run game. So those two guys will be healthy. Um, and then on offense, I actually thought Flacco came in. I mean, just two weeks ago, he was watching games on the couch. Two weeks later, he's thrown into the NFL game. I thought Flacco was competent, and he did a lot of things that he did well in Baltimore. So they got a big arm. He had 19 throws over 10 yards. Getting in max protection, throwing it deep a few times. If not, you get a 50-yard defensive pass interference. Uh, so, so Flacco did a lot of intriguing, that's the word I've been using to describe his performance, intriguing things um, that I like them to move forward with Joe Flacco. as a veteran um, who features tight ends. Elijah Moore, they got a they they, they got a rapport with him, um, so I was intrigued by what he brings to the table. 
So you were impressed with Joe Flacco. Yeah, I mean, he came there. I mean, he came in the first series of the game. He had a third and 14. He throws a bang eight to Cooper. That ball was a frozen rope. And, 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 and he still has the arm. Um, he was, he, he, he got going. They, they did a couple of things. Um, they went two tight ends a lot. And so you could keep six in the protection, even seven, and throw deep. Um, he, he pushed the ball down down the field, like I said, got 19 points over 10 yards. Uh, all all those passes, the advanced analytics, those intended air yards, he had over 500 yards. Uh, the ball went 500 yards in the air. So he was pushing the ball down the field, but then he also got comfortable throwing to the tight ends underneath. And so he ended up, I mean, you know, he ended up with 254 yards, uh, only sacked one time. And he just made one bad mistake. The one bad mistake he made at the end of the game was he threw a deep shot to Elijah Moore. And John Johnson, the safety, was playing center field. So he threw it into clear double coverage. It was a little late for an easy interception. But, you know, for 44 throws, only one mistake. And remember, he only he just got on the team last uh, two, two, two weeks ago. So it was an encouraging performance. And... As he gets more comfortable and more and more reps, I think they can build uh, a couple of different concepts off what he did. It was a good foundation. So I would like them to move forward uh, this week and next with Flacco. How is Sean McVay doing it with this Rams team? (laughs) Man, Sean McVay is still one of the best. And I will say this. If they do not make the playoffs this year, you know how it always is in the NFL, six in, six out. I would definitely like the Rams to make the playoffs next year. He is doing it with a young team. Um, he has turned Ky- Kyron Williams into a player, Puka Nakua into a big player. And, you know, when you got a top-tier quarterback like Matt Stafford and Sean McVay, they're, they're going to get offense. And they were they're running jet sweeps. They're running the ball effectively. Um they were able to push the ball down the field with Cup and uh, Nakua. So, you know, with him and uh, Matt Stafford, it's going to be a tough out because those two at their respective positions are so good. And they got a young team. Uh, this is the first year coming up in next year's draft. They have a first-round pick. They haven't had a first-round pick since Jerry Goff in 2016. They have a full slate of draft picks, so they get to add to this young team. So they have uh, – this was a transition year from going all in through the last couple of years. No draft picks, veterans. Um, this was a transition year, but if they keep Stafford healthy um, next year, they should be able to build on this foundation. And only Sean McVay would be a coach that would be able to get this Rams team – at 6-6 six and, six and have a shot at the playoffs. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then cut up next to the break on Shop Sports Talk. We're going to talk more Week 13 of NFL action. Cut up next to the break on Shop Sports Talk. Oh, 
We're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we still have Kenny, some with the scouting expert for 2014 Sports. Kenny, the Falcons win a grind match with the New York Jets. What did you think of the Falcons win? Man, that, I mean, they're glad they're playing the Jets. That was a bad win for them. Um, well, I guess I mean, there's no bad win in the NFL, but that was a less than encouraging win that they had. They come in, I mean, Desmond Ritter continues to struggle on the road. He went 12, 12 of 27 only, 121 yards. Uh, the Jets' defense is able to bottle up the run game. Um, you know, they, they held them to 2.6 yards a carry. Um, and the Falcons' defense carried them against Tim Boyle for the win. Uh, after that game, Tim Boyle was then released. Uh, but this is, I mean, this is one of the worst, maybe one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL this has been Tim Boyle. Um, so they were able to get out to, you know, a three-point lead that feels like 10 and hang on from there. What are the Jets going to do with quarterback, man? What, what are they going to do for the rest of the year? Yeah. They're going back to Zach Wilson. <laughs> they are going back to Zach Wilson, and honestly, Zach Wilson's probably the best quarterback on that roster, unfortunately. This is been one. I mean, you take a look at I mean, you take a look at some veterans that are not playing. Ryan Tannehill and Jimmy Garoppolo. Josh Dobbs just traded. Joe Flacco on the street. They had a chance to get all those guys after Aaron Rodgers, and they didn't do anything. And that's going to be one of the biggest themes in their season is they never seriously tried to get a backup quarterback. And there's a, a lot of them. I mean, Carson Wentz signed in November, but there's a lot of quarterbacks out there who are better than what they had. And, um, for them not to do that, it, it's taken, you know, it's adding a year to everyone's age. Um, it doesn't make them competitive at all. And, you know, the fact they didn't do any of that, that's going to be a huge reason why they are not competitive without Aaron Rodgers and they're going to come up short. I mean, Aaron Rodgers off of the year on the fourth play of the game and they had, they had ample opportunities to sign somebody and they chose not to. Desmond Ritter, uh, He's not the answer, Kenny. What are the thoughts? Oh, that's another one too. Uh, Desmond Ritter, they they decided to go forward with him this past year, and that was a huge question at quarterback. And they don't have a quarterback now. They're in a terrible division, and they they are right now in the driver's seat to win that division. But that's going to be a question in the offseason, No matter what happens, is do they stick with the coach and then? They need to upgrade a quarterback because I don't believe the opening day starter for the Falcons next year, I do not believe he is currently on the team. Yeah, I think Arthur Smith stays another year if they make the playoffs. Arthur Smith's probably safe. And they got to get a return on all those high draft picks. I mean, they spent the eighth pick of the draft on Drake London and Bijan Robinson. Fourth pick, the fourth pick in the draft on Kyle Pitts. And for them to get a return on... You know, three top ten skill players, they need a quarterback to get them the ball to do that because, you know, none of them have been 
Uh, definitely the uh, receivers have not been impressive. Bijan, you know, has had a nice year, but I think it also shows you just how much a running back, um, you know, a guy like Bijan, yes, he definitely helps the team. But how much can he do that other than like a quarterback or receiver on the other end? You, you know, they're, they're improved, but I don't think, you know, Bijan doesn't take that offense to a next, to another level. At least, uh, 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 at least um, until they get a quarterback. Yeah, you notice how when, uh, the I mean, go back to the Titans with Arthur Smith. It wasn't Derrick Henry, didn't become Derrick Henry until they benched Marcus Mariota for Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. That's when Derrick Henry really started to become Derrick Henry because it gave them a solid passing attack and that could open up the run game. Derrick Henry was not this 2,000-yard workhorse back. He was always a good back. But when they made that switch, and can you remember this? They won those games. They got into the playoffs as a wild card. That's when Derrick Henry started becoming Derrick Henry. That first year, Tannehill got it. Got in. So to, to bluster your point as well. Next, yeah, let's absolutely. yeah. Uh, next, let's go to this. Uh, the Detroit Lions beating uh, beating the, uh, the the New Orleans Saints, the other NFC South team, <laughs> mm-hmm. the other NFC South team, thirty-three to twenty-eight. Uh, the Lions start out blitzing them twenty-one to zero. They hold on for the five-point win. Uh, how are you liking the Lions? When you watch what the Niners do to the Eagles, does any part of you believe that maybe the Niners could upset the NFC Championship apple cart? Uh, that the Lions could do that? Yes. And and yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, you know. Oh, you think I, they could beat the Niners? Yes. Okay. If, 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 they're, if they're on their game. The Lions could score with them. Um, they get out to that game. I mean, it was I mean, it was seven minutes into the game. It was one twenty-five in the afternoon. People just coming home with lunch, sit down, and watch the game. It's twenty-one nothing already. Now they ended up hanging on to win. But you know, I think this past couple of years of Ben Johnson has shown that Jared Goff is more than capable of playing winning football. They should feel good about Jared Goff going forward. Um, and then what they have, you know, what they have in the middle of the field. I mean, Sam Laporta was a beast in this game, and he was all over the middle of the field. They just continually work that middle part with him and St. Brown. And a lot of their rookies, you know, I like the Lions draft, contrary to popular opinion. It was just the order of the players was switched up. But at the end of the day, once you're on the team, you're on the team. doesn't matter where you drafted. Uh, Jack Campbell, the leading tackler, Ryan Branch, is good to make all the rookie teams. He had a tackle for a loss, pass breakup. He is a very good safety. Um, and so they have an identity. They're able to throw it when they need to throw it, run it when they need to run it. And they have enough weapons where defenses uh, can't, can't keep key in on guys. So they're going to be able to put up points. Especially when they're at home, um, so their defense. I will say their their defense the last two weeks against Green Bay and New Orleans has been exposed a little bit. It was greatly improved from last year, and the last couple of games 
teams have been able to score on them, though. So that's something to keep in mind is um, as long as they have an upper-half defense, i like them to be able to compete in that second-round game, whoever they play and maybe win. If you were to rank the Lions' offensive weapons, how would you rank them? I would go number one. I would still go St. Brown number one. Uh, number two, I'd go Laporta. I mean, Laporta has came in, and he has been the best tight end this year, and he is a weapon. And then I would go, um, because of how he's used as a hammer, David Montgomery, three, Jameer Gibbs, four. They gave Gibbs that workload without Mount, without Montgomery, but they, they haven't uh, really unleashed him with both of them together. Uh, Montgomery had 18 carries. Dan Campbell likes having that hammer, so I would go Montgomery as their top back right now um, as a power back three and then gets four. Do the Saints have their quarterback of the future on their roster? No. And, you know, I'm, wor- I'm still I'm worried about Derek Carstell because um, from, from a play standpoint, he left the game... Now, now he left this game with a concussion. He was then cleared from the protocol, but he had a he had a, uh, a concussion. He was cleared from a back. And he had another injury as well. So he left the game and came back. I think on two different occasions. So he's beat up right now. But that offense has not clicked with him at least for the next game to get him healthy. You know, I think the Saints would be more dangerous with Jameis Winston. Taysom Hill, dual quarterback, where they have Winston push the ball and then on those short yardage go with Taysom Hill. And Taysom Hill has been used more and more as that direct snap to the quarterback, run the football uh, type of player. And they're utilizing him. Uh, his, his workload has increased over the last couple of games. So if you go with Winston and Hill for a, a, a game that could get Derek Carr healthy, and I think those two quarterbacks, uh, that, that makes the Saints more dangerous and harder to prepare for. They could probably get away uh, with, a, with a game like that. They got, the, they got the Panthers and the Giants in the next two games. So they could go with Winston and Hill, and they could win those games still until Carr gets healthy. Next, we're going to go to the Dolphins, their demolition job of... The Washington Commanders, uh, another 45-15. to 15. Um, You mentioned two as potential MVPs leading a bunch of MVP categories, as you said. But, Kenny, why can't Tyreek Hill win MVPs on pace for 2,000 yards? And he's the best player on the team. Why can't Tyreek Hill win MVP? He's better than two, and I think he's more important than two. Why can't Tyreek Hill win MVP, Kenny? Yeah, I think there's a chance that that could happen. I mean, hey, I... And- and I was looking at this. I was thinking about this last night. I was looking hard. That if I had to pick somebody on the Miami offense for the MVP, it would be Tyreek Hill because he is most valuable to that team. And he had a 60-yard touchdown and a 78-yard touchdown. Everybody knows he's going deep, and he still does it. And they're putting two high safeties. He's still running right past them. He's in that cheap motion. He's able to run that in round and run right through those two safeties. Uh, but but everybody knows who's getting the ball, and Tyreek Hill is going deep, and he still is beating NFL defenses and NFL players every single week. 
Um, but if he does get that 2,000-yard mark as a receiver and does something historic like that, um, he has a chance. And this year, also, you know, it's not a strong year for quarterbacks. This would be the one year where a non-quarterback would win the award. I mean, Tua is a, a, a very good choice, though. Um, Jalen Hurts and Mahomes have not played like they did last year. So I don't see Mahomes winning it when he's having the worst years. He's, he's, he's actually having the worst year of his career. Uh, Purdy, is, you know, it's a narrative award, more weapons-based. I think Dak does have a shot to win it, though. But um, if, if there is a non-quarterback, you know, look at Tyreek Hill and Christian McCaffrey this year to win it. But I agree with you that, yes, who was one of the favorites to win MVP, but the player that really makes the – Dolphins offense go is Tyreek Hill and it's just week in and week out he cannot be stopped so now that the you know the Dolphins have established themselves through the number one seed right now there has been the question I've asked you this before do we think they have the gumption to make a playoff run we've now waited that the season's gone through I know Washington's not the biggest test for this but I mean you know they put up 45 points on this team do the Dolphins have it in them to go on a long playoff run I would like to see them win their first game of the year against a team with a winning record before that happens and they're going to have that shot they have the last three games of the year they play the Cowboys well over 500 at the Ravens, that could be for the one seed, and then the Bills. So I would like to see them win a game against a team with a winning record because if they don't do that, I find it hard that they're going to be able to win two or three games in a row against winning teams in the playoffs. So I would like to see that happen. Now their defense has been getting better throughout the year with Vic Fangio. Um, even though they lost Jalen Phillips, Van Ginkle had an interception returned it for a touchdown. Um, and then their run game, you know, got HN back. So they have the pieces, but I need that proof of concept. I need to make sure that uh, the Dolphins could actually beat a winning team before they are contenders. But on paper, sure, on paper, they are. They, they're, they're very dangerous. Next, we're going to go to the Steelers. Uh, they lose to the Cardinals 24-10. to What a Debbie Downer for the Steelers. I know, Kenny, you have no issue with that, but could this be the game that's the reason the Steelers aren't in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's never good when you lose to a two-win team by two scores at home. Uh, But they still have, you know, they got the Patriots tomorrow on a short week. Um, And then, you know, they got still got Bengals, Seahawks, Ravens. I mean, they do have some tough games, but they they built enough of a a backlog of wins where they should be okay. If they win that game tomorrow against the Patriots, they're 8-5, and and I still believe... 10 wins is going to get everybody in. I don't see eight teams in the AFC getting 10 wins. I see seven. So they would still be on their way for that. But, you know, they had Mike Sullivan calling the plays and interim officer coordinator Eddie Faulkner, and they went right back to 300 yards of offense. Uh, 
you know, Trubisky came in. Kenny uh, Pickett is going to be down for a while with an ankle. He had surgery on his ankle, but not IR, so it's not four, he's not gone for four games. He should return. But I don't know if there's a huge difference between Trubisky and Pickett. Um, from quarterback standpoint, I'd just like to see them get the ball more to Jalen Warren. He is their best offensive player, and he is their most explosive player. And he only got nine carries, 6.6 yards a carry. Uh, but I'd like to see them feature Jalen Warren a little bit more. He's their best player on offense. What do you think of Kenny Pickett being out? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a big difference between him and Mitch Trubisky. Um, you know, I think it's the same type of quarterback play. You know, not going to push the ball down the field too much. Trubisky's probably a better athlete in the QB design run game. Yeah, maybe a little bit more design runs you could do with him. Um, I want to say that in the past, uh, he's been a uh, Trubisky has been able to get the ball to Deontay Johnson a lot. So um, overall, though, I, I I still other than maybe doing a little bit more in the quarterback run game, I don't see a a difference between the two. Yeah, that doesn't spell good news for Kenny Pickett, by the way, for his host being in Steeler land. Uh, so, Kenny, I think it's safe to say you don't think the quarterback of the future is on the Steelers, do you? No, and that's going to be, you know, that's going to be interesting eventually that, you know, it's been two years and Kenny Pickett really hasn't improved. And uh, C.J. Stroud has more multi-touchdown games than Pickett has in his career. Stroud has more this year. Um, so they're going to have to have a conversation after this. So it's going to be after two years on what are they doing at quarterback is to compete at the highest level in the AFC. You have to have good to great quarterback play. Is this going to be like, uh, is this going to be like Andy Dalton with the Bengals where he's a nice quarterback with really good weapons and they could get to the playoffs every year, but not do anything. So if they do get into the playoffs, if the Steelers do that, see how that game goes and what happens because eventually Kenny Pickett needs to pick it up. So next we're going to go to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, They beat Tennessee Titans 31-28. to What did you think of this game, Kenny? Well, this was a wild game. I mean, I think uh, Will Levis had a uh, he had like a minus 22-yard play, but then he came back with a deep pass. There was a block punt for a touchdown. Two-point conversions were returned the other way. This game was wild. It ended up 25-25 at the end of regulation, and then Michael Pittman had a huge game. He was able to walk it off on a touchdown pass with Gardner Minshew, but the story of this game is the Indianapolis Colts have fought all the way back. They're 7-5, and five. and I don't know. Does three teams from the AFC South get in? I like one of the teams to get in as a wild card this year because the AFC South and the NFC South play. There's a lot of weak games on that schedule, but it could be the Indianapolis Colts getting in as well. Three teams from the AFC South, but they're seven and five, and they're uh, right there, tied for the wild card spot. Gardner Minshew is one of the better backup quarterbacks. 
and the job that Shane Steichen has done, you know, still being able to run the football, Jonathan Taylor in and out, Michael Pittman's been huge, and that defense has gotten better each week under Gus Bradley. Um, they're a team that could definitely get in. If they were to get... Do you think they can get the 10 wins, though? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at their schedule. So so they have seven. So they got to get three of the next five. At the Bengals this week, they're favored by one point. Then they got the, uh, the Steelers at home. They're at the Falcons, home against the Raiders, home against the Texans. <laughs> so there's no easy... I mean, there's no game where they're clearly going to lose, but there's no game where they're clearly going to win. So... You know they got two. Uh, uh, they got three of those at home. You know, look at the quarterbacks they play. They play Browning, Trubisky, Ritter, O'Connell, Stroud. Um, so they could get there. They could get to ten wins. Um, I still like incumbents, though. I feel like Brown Steelers, Texans currently, and that as those wild cards. I still like those three to get in, though. At the end of the day. Because the Colts schedule, they don't have a clear game where they're going to win. They're all going to be toss-ups. And then when you have these 50-50 propositions, though, you never know who's going to come up, though, uh, come out winning. But let's go to this game. The Chargers beating the New England Patriots. Uh, there's so much to make out of this. Man, did Brandon Staley do anything to impress you, Kenny? Six to zero. <laughs> he had his first um, shutout. He had his first shutout, Kenny. Yeah, he did a shutout. I mean, man, that man, that that offense on the uh, Patriots is bad, and it's one one reason. You know, you're looking at how they're going to improve for next year. They got to get more weapons. For whoever they have at quarterback, whether it be Drake May or Caleb Williams, this this is just not cutting it. And this offense now is going to lose Ramondre Stevenson, probably their best player on offense for a couple of games. But they're bad, and the Chargers were able to shut them out. Um, and one reason why I think the Patriots defense now now this is the third straight game the Patriots have allowed ten or fewer points. They've lost all three games. One reason why their defense might be good is. The other team's offense could play conservative. That they know that, you know, punt the ball, make them go the distance. Uh, J.K. Scott, he had seven punts in that game. The punter of the Chargers, he had seven punts inside the 15-yard line. So they were able to out-punt the Patriots to get a win. That's crazy. Is there any excuse for ever an offense with Justin Herbert as your starting QB putting up only six points? No, and I continue to be underwhelmed by him. Um, you know, I know they lost Mike Williams, um, but they don't have a deep threat. That could have been Quinton Johnson, who ran very well at TCU, but he's not been able to do that. Um, Dyson has been one not to be able to do that. Um, so they don't have that deep threat. Uh, also, from running the ball, 
There's some guys questionable on the offensive line, but Austin Eckler, 14 carry for 18 yards. Um, as 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 Justin Herbert's second contract kicks in, you could see that being a casualty that they're not going to pay Austin Eckler. Um, really getting nothing from him in the run game. It's all in the pass game. Uh, but this is going to be, you know, an evaluation standpoint for Kellen Moore the rest of the way. But with an uninspiring six nothing win, though. Um, Brandon Staley is one of those three or four coaches that looks like there's going to be a change that's going to be made at the end of the year. Kenny, I want to thank you for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. Great. Thanks for having me. And once again, I want to thank Kenny Sim for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 567th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. She said she too young, no one, no man. So she gon' call.